Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of To Be Honest, the podcast. I really hope you're going to enjoy today's episode. I did want to give a little bit of a trigger warning though that in today's episode we talk a lot about anxiety and in particular some things that do make us anxious or have made us anxious in the past. This could be triggering for people who are experiencing anxiety at the moment and we just wanted to let you know that this might be an episode you want to skip if these things do trigger you. If you do decide to listen, we hope you enjoy. And if you don't decide to listen, we will look forward to being in your ears next week. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Honest Podcast. My name is Kara And my name is Amanda and we hope you are having a beautiful week. Well, have had a beautiful week so far. Yes. I always forget that the episodes come out on Fridays. Mm. I always forget that we're not doing this live and thank God if I'm being honest. (laughs) So in today's episode we are going to talk about anxiety but before we even get into the episode we need to talk about what we have to be honest about this week. Yes we do. What do you want to start? What do you have to be honest about? So I have to be honest about, actually, look, this is something that came up for me today and Mm. is a decision that I made today. So I'm curious to see your thoughts on this, Uh but I've decided moving forward, I'm only going to upload one YouTube video a week. Well, here's the thing. I recall us agreeing on this months ago. No, I agreed on six videos a month. So it's like one every five days. Okay, so you're going to go down from six a month to four. Yes, because I've been feeling honestly so overwhelmed, like I've just been working way too fucking much. And I feel a little bit of like, I do three sponsored videos a month on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I feel a little bit like I was always doing six videos because then at least half of my videos aren't sponsored. But it's just like not sustainable for my lifestyle anymore. And I'm like, literally just like waking up and working until the day ends and then going to bed and I'm like it's just not super healthy for me right now I'm not making videos that I'm proud of because I'm always trying to rush them because I have no time to put heaps of time into the edit and I was just sitting with myself today and being like okay how can I make the next month easier for myself because this month I feel like I've just completely burned out at this point and pretty much the number one thing that came to mind was yeah drop back on the amount of YouTube videos you make because then I'll be making content that I'm more proud of Mm -hmm. and I think that sponsored videos I just need to drop the shame around doing sponsorships really. I mean it's your job and the sponsorships allow you to make it your job. Yeah. I don't really get people who have a problem with just the fact of a sponsorship being in a video like skip forward don't click on the link like it there's 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 many different options that you can do just deal with it yeah and i mean there are a lot of content creators who put out free content well that's the thing all content online is technically free content because you don't Mm -hmm. have to pay but brands will pay to have like a minute ad in there for the YouTuber to then be able to make more content for free. Yeah, and obviously yeah. the goal is to get the viewer to buy the product. Yes. But if you don't if yeah, if if, if people don't like the ad, just skip through it. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I think that's a really good move. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it because the video I was editing today, I was like, wow, I really, really like this video. And that's because I took my time with it and I like made recipes that I'm really proud of and stuff like that. And so yeah, I was sitting with myself today and I was like, if I was making content like this all the time, I would be so proud of everything I upload. Whereas like lately I've been uploading things and I've not been proud of them at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I also feel like that's probably a reflection of your mindset though as well. Oh, yeah. The fact that you're not feeling proud of them is probably not because they're not worthy of pride necessarily, but because you have been feeling run down. You've been feeling less motivated to actually edit them and stuff like that Mm. because you've had so much on your plate so it's probably you know a bit to do with what you said but also a bit to do with the fact that you are so overwhelmed yeah so I think all the videos you've uploaded are amazing it's just that you haven't had as much time to enjoy your life around them I guess yeah and enjoy the editing process as well because when it's just like a regimented thing where you're like pumping out videos it can feel very like there's no creativity in it mm-hmm. and yeah I definitely have been feeling that lately but today I felt creatively inspired which is good and love that like, okay 
Anyway, what do you have to be honest about this week, doll? I like how you start laughing before I even get a chance to start answering. No, I was laughing because I feel like I was talked about myself for like four minutes straight. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so the thing that I have to be honest about this week is the fact that I was ghosted again by a different guy. Look, we hate to hear it. Don't understand it. Don't understand it. It's quite a frightful thing to be ghosted twice in a row. I will say that. Look, I do have to agree that I think if I was in your shoes, I would feel frightful. But not... No, wait. I said that wrong. You say that and like you haven't been telling me the past two weeks not to feel frightful in myself. No, no I don't. <laughs> wait, I fucked that up so bad. It's okay. Continue. I meant, I meant like... Say what you want to say. I would feel like the act of the ghosting is frightful as well if I was in your situation. That's the thing. The act of the ghosting is what's frightful. I've had the moments where I've been like, this is annoying. This is frustrating. Like, you know, why have I been ghosted twice? But mostly I'm just like these... Guys are so fucking rude. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. I'm having this full moment right now or I'm remembering the first guy who ghosted you and I'm like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> like, It's the audacity it's the absolute for a four to ghost me. That's what I'm saying. It's the audacity of a four ghosting a ten. <laughs> you said it, huh? <laughs> Anyway, that's what I have to be honest about because, look, the first time was an experience. The second time was truly something else. Let's see if there's a third. The funniest thing for me is that at the end of last week's episode, I said in the outro, see you next week. Let's hope I don't get ghosted in the meantime. And you said, oh, you won't. Look what happened. Look, sometimes being an optimist gets me in trouble. It really yes, does. That's why I've always been a cynic. <laughs> But yeah, so that happened. That's it, it is what it is. It's whatever. I'm just tracking along on the old dating apps. It's fine. Yeah. Do you want to give the the family a an update? I um, mean, the uh, fact that I've been ghosted twice is kind of the update. Okay. All right. Just wondering if because there's I don't really else have share. anything else to share. <laughs> okay. Except for the guy who I was having a really great conversation with, and then halfway through, he goes, "Oh, by the way, I live in Sydney. I'm on the Gold Coast for a holiday for five days." And I was like, "Wow, fuck you." <laughs> Warn a girl. Warn a girl. Like, put it in your bio. Put it in your bio. It's not that fucking hard. No. Anyway, that's my daily update. (laughs) So pathetic. It's not pathetic. It's pathetic as, like, as an update. I'm not pathetic. My dating life is quite pathetic. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in today's episode, we actually posted on Instagram because we were like, what the fuck are we going to talk about this week? We have absolutely no idea. And most of the suggestions were for us to do a talk on anxiety. Yeah, a lot of people suggested anxiety and and like, you know, what to do when you're super nervous or super anxious Mm. or really worried about something. And today, well, this morning, Ducky and I were talking about how a, a lot of people suggested that and we really didn't expect it. Mm. But also like how prevalent anxiety is mm. in society. I think it's something like one in four people have an anxiety disorder. I feel like literally every one of my friends has an anxiety disorder. I would, I would, I would guess that in our generation it's definitely more common. Yeah. But I'm obviously also quite aware of the fact that it's when undiagnosed in, for example, like our parents' generation, yeah. my dad, for example, I have said for so long, <laughs> my dad definitely has an undiagnosed anxiety disorder. Like it's just, it is the why he is the way he is. Right. And honestly, I feel like most people probably do know an adult who has also had an undiagnosed mental illness of some kind. Mm. And that's kind of like what prompts them to act the way they do. And a lot of the time, especially in men, just because of, you know, it's hard for them to like process their feelings. It can be toxic kind of behaviors that come out. Mm. But anyway, Ducky and I have experienced anxiety. Oh, still experiencing it. Right this very second. Right this very second. <laughs> um, and so we thought we'd just talk about it today and we talk about our experiences. So do you want to start with your experiences, Ducky? Sure. Look, I am pretty confident I've had anxiety from the moment I was born. Look, I don't think that I don't think you have. I don't think you can have anxiety from the womb. <laughs> I think I have anxiety from my first memory of life ever. Probably. Because I can remember as a kid like 
didn't go on school camp because I didn't want to be away mm-hmm. from my mum. It made me too anxious. I only went on school camp when my mum would come as one of the parents. What on a the dream. Because I also was that kid who hated going away without my mum. Uh-huh. But my mum never came on school camp. I, I asked her to, but she didn't. Oh, my mum really said, yes, hun, I will take some annual leave and I will come on this frightful school camp. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Ducky has the experience of an only child without actually being an only child. <laughs> and it's truly something to, to listen to and to learn about. But anyway, what was the, like, reason that you were like do you remember like why you felt anxious to leave her like were you scared something was going to happen yeah I pretty much always had this thing and it's still pretty present in my life now where I feel just anxious about bad things happening in general and it's really like ebbed and flowed at different times in my life like I had some experiences where I was when I was younger that definitely like heightened my anxiety that made me fearful of like other people and of strangers and just like feeling not super comfortable like walking alone even Mm -hmm. like during the day and stuff like that like I just never felt super like safe I guess is where a lot of my anxiety came from and then this really like this was present for me throughout my teenage years and then in my early adulthood I was in a romantic relationship and he was very understanding of like my anxiety and the way I felt but because I was like so reliant on him it got to this point where like I was so anxious about driving, which is like, Mm. if you know me now, like that seems bizarre that I would feel that anxious driving because I drive literally everywhere and I'm fine. I'm so confident, but I wouldn't drive myself everywhere, anywhere because I was like fearful of being alone in the car. I wouldn't want to have a shower at night by myself. I would like make my ex-boyfriend like either come and have a shower with me or like stand in the bathroom whilst I had a shower. Again, like what 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 was the thing like in the shower situation? Just like what do you remember like thinking that something was going to happen to you? Mm, I think it was just this vulnerability of it being like dark and like everyone else right. was asleep in the house. And like, I guess when you're nude, you're like vulnerable <laughs> or whatever. It's always like when I'm in vulnerable settings. Okay. And then like my biggest fear when I was like going through this phase was feeling anxious about falling asleep so I like couldn't Mm. fall asleep if I didn't have someone in the bed with me and I always had this fear that if I fell asleep I like was never gonna wake up Mm -hmm. and so this started when I was like 19 I can remember like starting to panic before I was going to sleep but my other ex would be like in bed with me and like calm me down I would be able to fall asleep and then when this started happening again it just got to this point where I had to sleep next to my boyfriend there was like no other option but to do so and so it got to this point where I was very very reliant on him there Mm -hmm. was like nothing like major that I could do without him and then it crept into my work life where I started to feel anxious about what everyone was thinking about me it crept into my friendships where I was anxious about everyone was thinking about me and it just got to this point where I was like whoa, I need to take a step back. Like I stepped down from my management position at work and I like started to try and find coping mechanisms for my anxiety and I started going to therapy Mm. as well. So that was like when it was like at its height and later in the episode we'll talk about like our coping mechanisms and stuff like that and things that have really helped us. But from there, as things like started to get better, I still like have this general anxiety and like, I mean, Cara will be the first to tell you that like some days I'm just an anxious fucking mess (laughs) and I like cannot do anything. Like I just wake up with anxiety in my body, especially when it comes to like work stuff or my friends or dating. Like I feel highly anxious, not so much now about like bad things happening, but I feel more anxious about what people think about me. Mm -hmm. And that's like, definitely the most present like anxious energy that I have Mm -hmm. in my life right now that's very interesting because I actually I've never really like thought about how many parallels there are between my anxious experiences growing up and yours Mm. and it's interesting hearing you say things like you know like I can't I couldn't get to sleep because I was so anxious or like I couldn't yeah like leave my mom and stuff like that because Mm. that's exactly what I was like as well and it's funny because what age did you start going to therapy? I first for went, anxiety. I first went to therapy probably when I was nineteen. Okay. For and for your anxiety. Yeah, my yeah. mum made me go, mm-hmm. and then I didn't like her, so mm-hmm. I I didn't go for yeah. a couple of years, and then I found a good therapist when I was like 
23 or 24 mm-hmm. and I've been going ever since. Yeah, good therapist is really just chef's kiss, like the best way to deal with anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, we'll get into that later. But overall, you're feeling like you have a better grasp on anxiety now in your life, obviously. You said that 19 was like your worst time. No, definitely when I was in my early 20s, like when I was like 22, 23 oh, okay. was when it got it's worst. It was sort of like building from like when I was 19 to when I was like 23 and then it started to get better from there. But now it's definitely like the best it's ever been in comparison to like the past 10 years of my life. Mm. That's for sure. Do you feel like you're ever going to have a life with, without any generalized anxiety? No, You don't never. think so? No. Why do you think that is? I mean, I just definitely believe that it's like a, like a chemical imbalance and it's just like, you know, like a mental health issue that i'm that i have you know what i mean so you don't feel like therapy can like get to the root cause of it i don't think that therapy like i don't think that therapy will ever completely like mean that i never feel anxious about for example like what people think about me right or things like that like i just feel like for me like going to therapy and like just learning more about having anxiety is about learning how to cope with anxiety and learning Mm -hmm. how to cope with situations that may make me feel highly anxious. Well, I mean, anxiety is, it's also probably very important for us to say this. Anxiety is a natural emotion. It's a natural feeling Mm. and it's not necessarily good or bad. Like anxiety can be like anxiety tells you kind of like what you said before, like when you're walking down the street alone at night and you don't feel safe, anxiety might tell you like that person over there has been following you. Yeah. Like it is this like reaction that our bodies have to us being in an unsafe situation Mm. i remember one of my therapists said to me one day that anxiety is like a car alarm like it's there to let you know when something's wrong and Mm. when you need to be alerted to something that might might be putting you in danger she said your anxiety is in like mine at the time is more like you know a car alarm that's faulty and so when a bird shits on the car it goes (laughs) off yeah and I think that's a really good way to kind of define anxiety as a mental illness versus anxiety in like as an emotion that most people will uh, experience at some point in their life because it becomes an issue when you can't, like you just said, go to work or go to sleep or enjoy your life without feeling this like intense anxiety about something that kind of isn't about any outwardly dangerous thing. Mm. So what about your mental health journey, my darling? I feel like kind of similar to you in that I really can't remember much of my childhood where I wasn't anxious Mm. in some way. Like I have actually like some very vivid memories of being deeply, deeply anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being like at the snow and like my mom went to the, the, I was, I think I was like four or five. My mom went to the, to the toilet and I was just like absolutely convinced that I was never going to see her again oh beside my myself. Wow. Because I think it was because I was in a new environment, never been to the snow before. It was like everything was just like covered and we we're in the, like, the forest and stuff like that. And I was just like, she's gone forever. Never going <laughs> to see her. And I actually remember my, my mom telling me that my granddad, once a key looked after me, and then this was another thing she said I was three, three or four. Mm. And then when she went and picked me up at the end of the day, he gave me to her and said she something's not right she keeps talking about death like it's <gasps> not something's not right like i literally sounded like some sort of devil child anyway i think that when my mom told me that story i was like wow makes sense um but yeah growing up like i had a lot of health anxiety in particular and like control anxiety in the form of like i felt like if i wasn't around something bad if I wasn't around, something bad was going to happen. Or if I was around a bad situation, I'd be able to control it better. Like I had a lot mm. of um, hang-ups about not being there when something might be going on. Mm-hmm. And in particular, my health anxiety came from the fact that my brother and my mom had cancer when I was about six years old, like consecutively. Like my my mom went into remission, then my brother got cancer. So I spent a lot of time in hospital Mm. and around like sickness and a lot of time, like, I guess like even subconsciously, even though I didn't truly understand illness and cancer, Mm. obviously I knew that something was wrong and that my parents and my family like were sick. And I think I subconsciously knew that like there was a chance of 
you know, my mom and my brother dying. Right. So, so I ended up having a lot of health anxiety. Like I would think that I was going to die in my sleep. Like you just said, I mm. thought that I was like, every headache was a stroke. Every like pain in my chest was a heart attack. Like just the most like hypochondriac things, which it's funny because the first time I went to a doctor and she said, Oh, you're, you're a hypochondriac. I was like, how fucking dare you? That's so rude. He's like, no, that's the like term. Right. Which I don't even know if that's like a politically correct thing anymore, but that's what she said to me when I was 18. And I was like, I don't think I want to come back to you anymore. I'm <laughs> but yeah, like it's kind of similar to you after all that. Like I lived my whole like teenage years dealing with this just like undercurrent of anxiety that I just thought was normal. Cause I was dealing with it my whole life. Mm. Like I didn't, think it was abnormal to think that my headache was a stroke (laughs) and I didn't think it was abnormal to like never be able to sleep I growing up like from the ages of like eight onwards until I was like 18 I did not sleep I got like a maximum of three hours sleep per night if I was lucky right um because I was afraid of like like if when I was asleep was something going to happen was someone going to break in was someone going to like hurt my family like things like that and it wasn't until, again, similar to you, that I went to therapy when I was 19 mm. that I kind of started addressing all of that because my friend said to me, like, that's not normal. Mm. I don't think that you should be dealing with that. You should go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So it, it was definitely like a pivotal moment when I realized that everyone my age wasn't dealing with the same fucked up thoughts that I was right. dealing with. It's really strange. Yeah. It's strange how like growing up or something like that can make you think that it's the most normal thing in the world. And this is why it's so important to talk about these things mm. because it's only with talking about them that we can say that's not right. Mm. We can fix this. We can at least start to deal with these thoughts and make them better. Or like you said before, like have coping mechanisms for them when they do come up. Yeah. So yeah, that was my experience. Do you, I just want to ask you the question you asked me, which was, do you feel like you will have anxiety forever? I think that I'll have certain tendencies, but Mm. I think my anxiety is such a small, small, small problem in my life now. Right. I feel anxious I mean like we said before like it's a very natural thing and everyone does feel anxious from time to time Mm. but I yeah I don't feel like it's an issue Mm. in my life like I think for sure for the past few years if anything depression has been more of a issue for me right um yeah so I think that I probably will have the tendency to kind of like go towards the anxious thought, but mm. I definitely feel like I can deal with them better now. Right. And it's not going to, it definitely doesn't like plague me the way it used to. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So when it comes to like coping mechanisms and stuff like that, cause I know we've touched on it other than therapy, do you feel like you've had any other coping mechanisms that have helped you with managing anxiety? Not including the parts that I've learned from therapy. Yes, not including the parts. Okay. This is a challenge. This is a challenge. <laughs> okay, so like I said before, I think just voicing your anxious thoughts mm. um, to anyone, even if you feel stupid or silly, mm-hmm. um, which you shouldn't, but I, I also understand that feeling. I think just talking about it can be so powerful because a lot of the time when we speak it aloud, our brain kind of processes it differently processes it differently Mm. and we can kind of start to realize like oh like that's actually not something I need to worry about yes and I feel like just once once you like get the validation from someone else as well it can be really really helpful like so often I'll feel anxious about something that is like so tiny teeny and then I'll (laughs) tell Kara and Kara's like it's okay that you feel anxious but like I wouldn't feel anxious about that Mm. and it sort of makes me feel like okay it's just it's not something I have to be anxious about, so then I can work through the feelings a lot. Yeah, better. and it's not like about saying like, you know, if, like if a friend came to you and told you something they were anxious about, it's not about being like, well, I wouldn't be anxious about that, so don't worry, and, and validating their thoughts. It's about more saying like, you know, like this is your anxiety talking. This mm. is something that you're feeling, which is valid, but you can kind of have peace knowing that it's not the rational part of your brain that's Mm. talking because that's the thing a lot of the time with anxiety we think that it's the rational part of our brain telling us that something is definitely going to happen it can feel like a fact Mm. it can feel like 
there's no doubt in, in my mind that if I like go to sleep or if I, you know, don't go, you know, to this place with my friend, that something bad's going to happen. And that's just not true. Mm. Do you have anything that you think is, has helped you? Oh, ASMR. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Which is like after therapy is the, well, it's the number two thing technically that's helped me with my anxiety because I first discovered it when I was with my ex and I was like having these really bad nights where I couldn't get to sleep. And even when I was with him, sometimes I would really struggle. And so I discovered ASMR on YouTube somehow and I started listening to it. And I remember like one of the first times we ever had a sleepover, I put ASMR (laughs) on and we fell asleep to it. And like, I still listen to it now. Like if I am not completely exhausted when I get into bed and if I'm not going to fall asleep immediately, I put ASMR on to help me get to sleep calmly. And it's because I have something else to like, focus on Mm -hmm. and that isn't like my anxious thoughts it's definitely something that I rely on less these days but is still something that I can turn to even during the day if I'm feeling anxious I can like put it on and just lie on my bed and watch like one video and I'll feel Mm -hmm. like the release of anxious energy from my Mm -hmm. body so yeah ASMR is definitely like I know a lot of people really, really fucking hate it and they like say that it makes them feel more anxious. But for me, and I know like a lot of other people, it's so beneficial. It's fine. If it makes you feel more anxious, just don't listen to it. Yes, true. <laughs> um, I think that that's, yeah, like ASMR obviously works for so many people. But I also think that like you just said about the whole laying on your bed, like listening to it, it's probably about like really like centering yourself and being mm. mindful and being... I don't know, like present almost, I guess, in the moment. Because then you can like slow your breathing Mm. and just like come back into your body. And so you can do that with reading. You can do it with yoga. You can do it with so many things. Yeah, so true. So it's just obviously really powerful that ASMR does that for you. Yeah, for sure. I have also found in the past that this is kind of like a double-edged sword one, I feel. Because in the past I've found that writing down my thoughts and feelings can be super helpful Mm. but also it can get me super in my feelings and like maybe sometimes make me feel a bit worse right so I think there's like a happy medium to be found there and I think that that's particularly important for people who may when I was talking about expressing your um, thoughts to someone who you know you trust to talk about how anxious you're feeling Mm. I think that if you a feel like you don't have anyone who you can do that with or B, you know, I feel a bit too scared to do that. Starting in like a journal kind of writing, just like bullet points of how you're feeling. Like I'm feeling anxious because mm. um, I am worried that this will happen. Like that kind of thing. That can be really helpful for the same kind of reason. That yeah. you're writing it down, you're getting it out and you can kind of put it away. Mm. Which would, you know, help you to, I guess, like, yeah, like release it. Like you just said that, like release of anxiety. Yeah, totally. I guess we can kind of say the same for therapy in a way because I often feel so much better after going to therapy because it's like a release of emotion, whatever that emotion is. And it's like, it's like going to a friend, but like a professional friend <laughs> and talking through, you know, what you're going through mm-hmm. in that week or month or, you know, however frequently you choose to visit. Yeah. Okay. So on that note... Let's talk about therapy. Yes. What might be our favorite topic ever? I I think it might be like communication, then therapy. Oh, they might be even for me. Wow. Okay. They they both have their place. (laughs) Let's say that. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that therapy has changed both of our lives. Mm -hmm. Big, big fans, Mm -hmm. big advocates. You won't... (laughs) believe how often ducky and i talk about therapy or bring up our therapists past and present in conversations with our friends especially Uh um and i will also say that like i think it's really important to surround yourself with people who are open to but it doesn't matter whether or not they actually see a therapist Mm. but if you're someone who you know has mental health issues or if you have anxiety and you're choosing to see a therapist i think it's really important to surround yourself with people who are open to talking about it Mm -hmm. because it can be really reaffirming oh yeah and just before we actually fully get into this i think it might be good to mention that because we have got a few messages about this in the past ducky and i do talk about certain therapists that have really helped us in particular 
like, you know, people who we think have been just super, super like beneficial to our mental health journey. Mm. Um, a few people have asked us in like Instagram DMs for like, the names of the therapist. And that's just not something that we feel comfortable giving out, just not only for ourselves, but also for the fact that, you know, we don't know how that therapist will feel. Mm. We don't know what their kind of position is right now. So as much as we wish we could give you the name to our iconic, amazing therapists, <laughs> we are not going to, unfortunately. But the great thing is, is that like what works for us might not work for you. Mm. And I think it's actually, it can be kind of a slippery slope to just fully put your faith in a person who your friend has gone to mm. simply because they've had great results. Because even if you're super, super, super similar, you have completely different backgrounds, different histories. You respond to therapy so differently. Mm. So even though you might be a bit disappointed that we can't give you the name, maybe let's think about the fact that they might not have worked for you anyway. <laughs> yes. And as well as that, like if you go to a good GP, they will be able to point you in the direction of a therapist who they believe will be beneficial for you. That's their job. And if they're doing their job well, they should be able to find you someone that they think you're compatible with. And if all else fails, Google is your best friend. Honestly. Just Google, you know, like, for example, anxiety therapists, Melbourne, or like your sub your suburb or whatever you're dealing with, like mm. PTSD, depression, like family trauma, whatever it is, like mm. just Google it because every pretty much every therapy practice has a website where they have detailed biographies of all their therapists because obviously you want to be able to read the biographies mm. and choose who you want to go to. Yeah, so that those are our tips for finding a great therapist. They're out there, guys. You just need to go. Yeah, you just need to go. Yes. <laughs> So like I mentioned, the first time I went to therapy, I was 19. I was pretty resistant to it at the time. And it was like really interesting. I went to two sessions with her and I can remember like she put on like this calming music and made, tried to make me meditate. And I was like, bit too woohoo for you. This is a <laughs> bit of a fuck no from me. <laughs> Which is so funny because right now in this present moment in your life, you probably, you might fuck with that. I think I would fuck with it now. But when I was 19, I was like, absolutely not. I went to two and I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not getting anything <laughs> from this. It's also so fucking expensive. And I work at Big W. So like, <laughs> how am I supposed to afford this shit? Yeah. Anyway, but then I ended up finding a really, really good therapist when I was in my early 20s and she was so incredible like I think for me like it was like this really beautiful warm nurturing energy and like that's the type of thing that I find I really need and I think like the number one thing that I've got out of therapy has been feeling valid in my feelings Mm. like being able to go and talk to someone in a judgment-free zone and tell them literally everything that's on your mind and when you're already an anxious person like the idea of like actually being like this therapist it's their job to not judge me Mm -hmm. makes it feel like a safe space well you also like i think most of us can't fathom a person who doesn't judge yeah and obviously that's not to say that therapists don't judge in their day-to-day lives Mm. but because they're human but like that literally like what you just said their job is not to judge you their job is not to come from a place of judgment their job is to listen to you and Mm -hmm. help and they are they're They've studied a long time to be able to help you. Like they know what they're fucking talking about. So I completely agree with that. The validation you get from therapy is one of the most powerful things because honestly, like I almost didn't, I don't think I realized how little validation I was getting Mm. until I went to therapy. And that's not like any shade towards my friends and family. It's just because we, you know, especially growing up, like when we were like teenagers, like late teens, early twenties, like there's so much happening everyone's going through so much Mm. it can kind of be easy for like your own like important moments or your thoughts and your feelings to kind of get lost to have that really like powerful validation that you need can be hard to come by yeah so when you're sitting in an hour session and it's just full-on validation in your face the whole time Mm -hmm. it can be great it can be it can be confronting at first but it can be great yeah (laughs) my favorite thing is when like a therapist will be like to me wow that must have been really hard for you and i'm like Oh my God. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much for acknowledging that that was hard yes. for me. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yes. I've, oh, that's happened to me as well. And I've been like, you know what? It was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you would never admit it to anyone else that it was that hard. But when your therapist says, you're like, thanks. <laughs> I needed to hear that. <laughs> so true. I think one of the things that I, besides the validation that I really, um, 
benefited from from therapy. And this is something I learned very early on and it's kind of always stuck with me. And it's something that I've been like using when my friends have been anxious. I mean, you probably have heard me say this to you a lot. Mm-hmm. Is finding like the core thought behind your anxiety. Mm. So it's, you know, like, and this is like one of the most basic principles of therapy. Like if you go to therapy, you'll probably do CBT and it kind of like gets down to this crux of there's a core like thought or Mm. problem that your anxiety is holding. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you might think, well, I might think I don't want to date because I won't like anyone. And it's like, okay, like. What's the fear behind not liking anyone? It's like, oh, being alone forever. Mm. It's like, oh, what happens if, like, you're alone forever? And it's like, oh, all my friends and family will move on and won't care about me. Like, you go down and down and down and Mm. down and you get to the thought that, like, really encapsulates it. And then what I've found for me personally, and I think a lot of my friends who've gone to therapy has found this, is that once you get to that thought, it's so much easier to actually address it because you've actually completely, like uncovered all the for lack of a better word like bullshit that you're encasing it in Mm -hmm. because you can't really address a problem until you know what the problem is Mm -hmm. and it can be really confronting and really hard to get down to that like bottom layer but when you do it's it just feels really freeing I think that's what I think is at least yeah I completely agree with you I mean I spent years and years trying to unpack why I am the way that I am and why I worry so much and why work has always made me really anxious and why dating has really made me so anxious and why I've kind of like in my early 20s I went through so many friends of like I just had these like intense electric friendships that would last like six months and then they would fizzle out and it was like Mm -hmm. a something that just like kept happening even happened when I was a teenager and I always thought why does this keep happening and I you know I finally boiled down to well I'm so anxious and so concerned about what other people think of me that I don't focus on what I think of other people and Mm that for me figuring out that I really care what people think about me and it's something that causes me a lot of stress really was like okay now I know what I can move through and what I can work through Mm. yeah it makes the whole anxiety can be so confusing it can be the most confusing because a lot of the time you don't even know what the fuck you're anxious about you just know that you're feeling anxious and so when you just strip it all back Mm. like you just said like understanding that you would just really care about what people think of you and like why that is Mm. is just It makes it less confusing. Yeah. It makes it all make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so moving on to our unprofessional opinions segment of today's episode. (laughs) We have a few good ones this this week. Yes. Our first question is, how do you gals support each other on anxious days? Great question. Great question. We can start with this morning. (laughs) (laughs) This morning, Ducky got out of bed around 10 minutes before I was leaving for work and I could tell tell energetically by her face in every way that she was feeling anxious about something uh-huh. and look when you're on a time crunch it's not the best it's not it's not it's not the ideal time to no. want to support your friends but yeah it was very interesting so what do you feel like do you feel like this morning was helpful to you in any way so yeah maybe i'll talk about what i think you do for me and then okay. you can talk yeah. about what you think i do for you so the number one thing i think with kara is like what she was saying just previously about getting down to the core emotion like she often does that with me so like we're obviously we have a very close friendship and supportive friendship and so which we're very lucky to have and like if I am off or if I'm feeling anxious Cara will often be like okay like so how like what's making you feel this way and then I'll say and then she'll be like and so um why do you think that that's why do you think you're feeling that way about that Mm -hmm. and then we kind of boil it down to the core emotion which helps me understand more like if anyone who knows Kara is listening they know that Kara will talk you through anything it's like (laughs) big Pisces energy like please talk to me about your emotions but yeah I definitely find that the biggest thing that Kara is just so good at that really helps me get through like you know anxious times or anxious days or anxious anxious moments is just creating space for me to express how I'm feeling even if I'm not asking for the space she's like well here's the space and if you want to feel it you can Mm. kind of thing yeah I think one of the things that can be really 
helpful for people who are trying to care for people who have anxiety disorders or anxiety of any kind Mm. is like a lot of people don't know how what to do how they can help especially if the person isn't ready to talk about it like you know sometimes you don't want to talk about how you're feeling Mm. and that's obviously completely up to you that's so valid Mm. but it's just about saying okay well i'm here to talk about it and like making the time Mm. and making the space like you just said and being like so you can come to me if you want and like just check in with them every now and then Mm. because i think i guess no one wants to no one wants to feel like they're burdening someone else yeah and that's probably something that literally every one of my friends who's ever had mental health issues has said is like you know i don't want to be a burden i don't want to always talk about this or always talk about that mm. so if the space is just there and like you trust um if the person trusts you to keep that space i think that's super powerful yeah i agree i'm happy that i do that for you that's really nice to know oh of course <laughs> <laughs> i think the thing honestly the biggest thing that you do for me is the fact that you are just like the most nurturing person <laughs> ever because I as we all know I do have like this kind of natural like tendency to deflect mm. <laughs> what I feel like your eyes just narrowed at me like yes you do <laughs> <laughs> but like I have this natural tendency to deflect or like to say like it's fine or to kind of reject like nurturing of any kind I think right and like I that does like kind of come down to the fact that kind of like what I said before I've always felt the need to be in control and like I'm the one that needs to be like put together and stuff like that Mm. which is obviously like not the healthiest mindset to be (laughs) in so I think for you and living with someone who's as like nurturing and like vulnerable and soft in a very positive way that's Mm. nothing but a compliment Mm as you feeling that nurturing energy is super super powerful for me Mm. because i feel just like so cared for Mm, and like nothing is nothing is going to be like too much for you to have to deal with Mm. when i feel anxious Mm. and i also know that i could like literally in the middle of the night in the middle of the day no matter what i'm doing i could call you i could come into your room i mean i literally have done that like (laughs) i've just like come into your room i love how in the morning it's like there's, there's this one morning a couple of months ago where like i just walked in and I laid down in Ducky's bed and I never, ever, ever do that. No. Because your mattress is hideously uncomfortable. <laughs> but at that morning I did it and, I was, and she was like, what's up? <laughs> like you just knew something was not right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is uncommon behavior. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just really nice knowing that you're always going to be super caring. I'm glad. Yeah. That's nice, honey. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so our next question is, how do I deal with relationship anxiety? For example, being anxious in a relationship due to my insecurities. Look, Hmm. I, I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. I haven't been anxious due to insecure. Oh, I mean, it's kind of a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, okay, I'm not going to say I haven't been anxious due to insecurities. Are we talking about like body insecurities, like that kind of thing? I think with this, the question, the idea that I get from this question is like feeling anxious in your relationship, like anxious that they're going to leave you. Okay. Or like anxious that you're not good enough or like... Anxious that they don't like you enough. Anxious that they don't like Definitely you enough. Definitely felt that then. <laughs> like, yes. I feel like, I mean, this is very common, I think. Oh, super common. Mm-hmm. I think especially when you're starting to date someone, it's just, it's unbelievably common. Yeah. I think like the biggest thing within romantic relationships in general, and this can be hard, especially if it's new, is like you really want to talk to people that you're in a romantic relationship with about these things because like I understand that it can be very confronting to do that but the fact is that like your relationship is like a big part of you you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and like you are a big part of the relationship I mean you're 50% of the relationship (laughs) so it's essential that you are feeling good and valid and happy and free and all of these wonderful things in your relationship and I guarantee like either a your partner would want to know about this so that they can help support you through the way you're feeling or b they wouldn't want to support you through it and you should dump them yeah literally so (laughs) in these situations even though it can be really confronting like I remember when I was in a relationship with my ex and like it was pretty new and I had to talk to him about the fact that you know like I can't go to sleep by myself I need you to drive me to work today I'm feeling anxious it was very confronting but we were in a romantic committed relationship and so 
he went, okay, well, I'm here to support you and do what I can to support Mm -hmm. you, you know? And in the same way, like I would often feel anxious, especially at this time in my life, I would feel so anxious being like, he's going to find someone better or does he even like me? Or if I did something that was maybe like, could be deemed like clingy or something, I would Mm -hmm. feel anxious, but I always talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. Like even if I felt like I was talking about the same thing over and over again, I found it good to just communicate with him about how I was feeling. Yeah, exactly what you were saying before. Like your relationship is like a romantic relationship for most people is one of the core relationships in their life. So with all that in mind, like I think it's really important, like from the like, from the moment you're like feeling these things, like whether it's like you're dating for like two weeks or two months or two years when you start feeling them, it's important to communicate with them because it sets the precedent for like how you're loved and how you're supported and what you need in a relationship because your needs are so important. Mm. Like you, you have every right to communicate them. Like the way Ducky was just saying, you were 50% of the relationship. Yeah. So while it's important not to rely on someone or become like dependent on someone to make you not feel anxious. And I think like Ducky, you mentioned that before when you're talking about your past relationship, like you were dependent on him. Yeah. And that probably wasn't a very healthy situation. No. And obviously that was the only way you knew how to be okay in that moment. And so it's not a shameful thing if you would have done, mm. but it's not necessarily a healthy thing. So I think as long as you're communicating and you're also seeking help elsewhere Mm. so you know going to therapy visiting your doctor and exploring maybe like medication or something if that's something that is suitable for you Mm. talking to friends talking to family like doing your own kind of like inwards like development I guess yeah that's really important because while your partner is there to love and support you and they should really care and want to be there for you when it comes to like mental health issues Mm they can't fix you yes you have to really take control of that yourself yes agree okay our next question is can you ever prevent anxiety from interfering with your goals and life prevent is an interesting word to use here yeah because okay let's talk about i'm taking this as you know can you prevent it if you already have anxiety and you don't want it to interfere with like what you're going to do in the future or what you're doing with your life Mm -hmm. Not to sound like a broken record, but it's just about it. You, the very first thing you need to be doing to prevent it is to explore it and mm. understand it and find coping mechanisms that work for you. Totally. I mean, I think that in the past, my anxiety has prevented me from taking opportunities or like mm-hmm. things like that in life, but like. Now, for example, even though I feel anxious about experiences that I'm like having or like opportunities that come up, I know how to work through my anxiety surrounding Mm -hmm. that. And I know that I can push myself and that I will be okay regardless. Like, whereas in the past, I've been like, I won't be okay if I Mm -hmm. take this opportunity. Now I'm like, I won't feel okay, but I will be okay. Yeah. It might be unrealistic for someone who has anxiety to say like, you know, I want to prevent it. I don't want to feel any anxiety when going to a job interview or going to a new like workplace or like doing a big like presentation or whatever it is that you're anxious about with your life um, or with your career. Mm. But even though that's unrealistic, that doesn't mean that it's not possible to push through it and mm-hmm. to still do all these things that you want to do and achieve amazing things despite the anxiety you're feeling. And I think that it's also really important to kind of realize when like to check in with yourself and realize when it's a good idea for you to maybe take a step back and not do something to Mm. care for yourself and when it's a good idea to push through it Mm. and challenge yourself to prove to yourself what you can do Mm -hmm. because hiding like and not doing anything because you feel like an ounce of anxiety is not productive for your life and Mm. you probably will miss out on opportunities But if you get that healthy balance, you'll not only get to take care of yourself, but you'll also get to kind of prove your anxiety wrong, I guess, which is something that it kind of needs to be proven wrong for you to overcome it. Mm. Because like I said before, it's not a rational thing. It's just like our minds, like our chemical imbalance, our minds are kind of like playing tricks on us in a lot of ways, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Our next question is, how do I help someone who has anxiety but won't open up? 
Mm, this is a really hard one. It is really hard because the thing is like there's only so much that you can do to get someone to open up. There's only so much space that you can create. And even if you like really deeply care about someone and want to be there for them, there's no guarantee that they want you to be there for them. Yeah, there's only so much that you can do for someone when it comes to wanting them to open up because you don't want to push them too far because Mm. you don't want to like you know cross their boundaries and be like aggressive or like forceful in any way because that's really counterproductive especially when it comes to like anxiety and mental health Mm. but obviously you do want to make the space and you want them to know that like you're not just like you know asking to ask and then don't care about it anymore yeah so i think maybe like what ducky said before about like making the space and like checking in with them every now and then like not necessarily like every single like minute of every day and like Mm. saying like do you want to talk yet do you want to talk yet but like you know every now and then just check in with them ask them how they're going ask them if they want to talk about it and i would actually also say like i think people can express themselves in a lot of like different ways And if you're noticing, you know, like little things they might be saying in conversation um, that might be like easing into opening up about something, you could maybe like slowly but surely kind of start a conversation with them around it. Like they might not like be able to talk about it completely openly on the first day. And that's Mm. so fine. Some people might take a while to open up and trust whoever they're talking to. Yeah, so true. As well as that, I think without like putting too much on the plate of someone who is dealing with anxiety, you can also like still talk to them maybe about like how you're feeling in general Mm. life. Like you can just like normalize the idea of talking about your emotions, even if it's something like really silly or small. When I say silly, I mean, it might feel really silly Mm. or small, like I had a bit of a crap day at work and a customer made me feel this way, for example. And yeah. like talking to them about the, about it and like expressing how you are feeling in a vulnerable way can create space for others to be vulnerable as well. Because it can be confronting if you like have a friendship with someone who you've never like been that open with. Um, yeah, it can feel very, very vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. And I also think like doing that makes it that like reciprocal kind of relationship where like someone might think like oh like they're coming to me for some help and support and so like it's totally fine for me to go to them like I think that can also play on some people's minds is like yeah I don't want to be the one that puts too much on someone else so if it's more even if it feels more reciprocal they might be more comfortable with it as well yeah but I think overall um as long as you're being like an open loving safe space for your friend with anxiety and you're you know, acting and talking like you genuinely care about their mental health Mm. and what they're going through. That's all you really can do. Mm. Um, And hopefully at some point they're able to, they're able to open up to you or someone else about it. Yeah. Okay. Our next question is, how do I reach out for help when I can't even figure out what I need? Mm. Mm. Here is a great great part about going to therapy Mm. they figure out what you need yes you never like walk into a therapy session and say this is what i want from you they just like ask you about your life look i have done that before but that's because i'm me and i think that i know more than a therapist (laughs) you you would you would (laughs) but like yeah on the whole like you go into a therapist i mean like typically at least in australia obviously we can only talk as Australians, but you, you go to a doctor first before you go to therapy, usually because you can get a plan that subsidizes your therapy sessions. And talking to the doctor, they'll usually be able to discern, like, you know, are you dealing with depression or anxiety or PTSD, like things like that. And then they will usually have some suggestions for you, like as to kind of like which avenue to go, like which psychologist or what, um, you know, method of help might be suitable for you. For example, mm. like, like I said before, like th- uh, medication might also be an option. Yeah. But beyond that, if we're talking about going to therapy, like literally like their job, they get paid. The reason why you're handing over that cash money <laughs> is because you go there and they ask you the questions and literally your job is to answer honestly mm. and truthfully and openly. And like they help. Yes. It's, it's so beautiful it's It's a beautiful experience so it's pretty straightforward i guess in the sense that like if you can't figure out what you need but just that you need help in some capacity like 
therapy should definitely be at the top of your list of things to do for sure and like underneath that again i would just say like talking to people maybe journaling trying to get down those thoughts and like the root cause of them of just like what you're feeling and what you're thinking because again when you talk and when you when you write things down you can kind of make more sense of them yeah for sure okay our last question for the episode is how do i deal with crippling anxiety when it comes to dating Hmm. See, here's the thing. I kind of don't have crippling anxiety. I have crippling indifference. (laughs) It's it's not the same, but I do. I definitely have had crippling anxiety about dating in the Mm. past. Have Mm you? No. Oh. I've had anxiety about dating. Not crippling. But not crippling. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's always been that thing where, like, I'll feel anxious about doing it, and I, but I'll know that I'll get through it. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think that, okay, let's just break down some, I guess, like, I guess maybe like if we're talking about dating, about like meeting new people, going on dates, it can be super, super scary Mm. because I guess maybe one of the biggest things that we feel is like, what if they don't like me? Yes. And what we say to that is, what if you don't like them? Yes. And this is like, honestly, one of the biggest game changers for me when it comes to dating is like, yes, going on a date is so anxiety inducing. Like I think most people feel nervous in general for a first date, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time this anxiety is stemming from what if it's awkward? What if they don't like me? Yeah. The fact is that some of it is probably going to be awkward. It might be awkward and they might not like you, but you're not going to die. No. You're also not going to, you're probably not even going to cry about it. No. Because you barely know them. And (laughs) if you go into it with the mindset of, I'm going to have a good time and this is about whether I like them rather Mm -hmm. than whether they like me, I promise you it will change some things. Yeah, it takes the pressure off you completely because, again, it's kind of going back to that thing of like, I'm 50% of this situation, like... I don't have to spend all my energy and my time worrying about if they like me because actually I need to like them as well. Yeah. I think we like truly forget about that a lot of the time is the fact that we need to like the other person. And that's honestly probably why a lot of people get into relationships where they don't even necessarily feel that strongly about someone because we're so focused, so hyper-focused on what if they don't like me so that when they do, we feel ecstatic because yes. why wouldn't we? We've, we've just our biggest fear has just been completely like blown away. Mm. So that's definitely in terms of first dates or like, you know, just like beginning to see someone that's definitely like a big, big thing that we talk about for sure. And we've been talking about it recently. Yeah. I mean, I guess like crippling, if you're talking about like maybe like anxiety about being intimate for the first time or maybe like falling for someone and then, you know, potentially it not like not working out. Like if you do really like them, Mm. those are all things that, can be really hard because mm. because they're vulnerable because when you date you make yourself vulnerable mm. but you can also i guess kind of like similar to what you just said like you can make yourself feel excited and you can look forward to those things as well in terms yeah. of you can look forward to experiencing intimacy intimacy with someone for the first time it might not be the most like romantic or the <laughs> most like flawless situation but like it can be a really beautiful experience yeah and in terms of like heartbreak, unfortunately, that can just be a reality of the situation. It's going to be forever. Or it's going to go down in flames. I mean, the true Lord and Savior did say that. Yes. So while that's, I don't think there's ever going to be like a way to make people, make people not fear in some capacity heartbreak mm. if you do, because it's not nice. No. And it can really fuck you up mm-hmm. if you're really interested in someone Mm. but going back to what you said like it's the experience and it can work out really really well so you don't want to let that stop you from the dating game I guess because you just don't know until you until you get there really yeah and I think that's a beautiful way to end the episode I do too doll I'm so glad you agree (laughs) So thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode of To Be Honest, the podcast. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, if you have any feedback on the episode or just want to engage with us on the social media, you can find us on Instagram at tbh.pod. You can also find my beautiful co-host, Kara R. Reedy, on Instagram at Kara R. Reedy. And you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Ducks. 
And if you feel so inclined, we would love if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We've just hit 100 reviews. Have iconic. we? Iconic, yeah. Wow, that is iconic. We were sitting at 98 for so long, I was really pissed off about it. Okay. <laughs> but we got to 100, and might I add, 100 five-star reviews. Wow, that's so iconic. Um, so if you feel like going to leave us a review, that would be amazing. If you could also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening, that would be amazing. Otherwise, you can just chill and wait for the next episode. We we don't care. Do what you want. It's your life. (laughs) We're not going to be mad at you. (laughs) We hope you have a really beautiful week and we look forward to being in your ears next Friday morning. Goodbye and have a great week. Goodbye, my lover. (laughs) Goodbye, my friend. You You have been been the one. (laughs) You have been the one for me. (laughs) So dumb. So dumb.